So this morning, this afternoon, the scripture reading is taken from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13, verse 4 to verse 14. Reading from Nehemiah, chapter 13, verse 4. Now before this, Elishab, Elishab, the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, and who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels and the types of grain, wine and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers, the gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Azestus, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And then I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry, and I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and I brought back this, there, the vessels of the house of God, with the grain offerings and the frankincense. I also found out that the portions of the Levites which had not been given to them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to this field. So I confronted the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? As I gathered them together and set them in their stations. Then all Judah brought the tithes of the grain, wine and oil into the storehouses and appointed a tre as treasurers over the storehouses Shelemiah, the priest, Zadok, the scribe, and Padiah, of the Levites, and their assistant, Hanan, the son of Zechariah, son of Mataniah, for they were considered reliable, and their duty was to distribute to their brothers. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 2, beginning at the 23rd verse. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Mark's gospel, chapter 2, verse 23, to the end of the chapter. Mark 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. As they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God, in the time of Abitha, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any, but the priest to eat, but also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to Christ our Lord. Please be seated. Thank you. 
Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to see everybody here today. Trust that everyone is doing well. As, as Carl has just prayed in his prayer, Pastor Darren, Pastor Joseph, and four others, they are away in Bandung doing missions, uh, visiting and ministering at St. Peter's Church in Bandung, where we partner, where All Saints English partner with them in the student ministry. We have come to the end of our sermon series today, at the end of Nehemiah chapter 13. And so, um, then from next week, next week is confirmation service. We have Bishop Kwan coming to share the word with us. And the month of November is our mission month, as you have seen in the bulletin and just now in the PowerPoint, we have different topics and different speakers. And Christmas, of course, we enter into our Christmas theme. So today we will conclude our sermon series on Nehemiah. Let us pray as we begin. Father, we come before you today and we want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you have been doing in our lives and all that you have been speaking to us through the book of Nehemiah. Lord, even as we conclude this sermon series today, Lord, may we continue to look to you for fresh revelations, new insights that we can apply in our lives. The Holy Spirit come and shed light into your word today. We invite you to come and do your work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Pastor Joseph took us through chapter 10 where we saw that after the children of Israel um, celebrated a week's long the festival of booths of some called the festival of tabernacle and they observed on the eighth day on the eighth day they observed that solemn day according to the law of God and they have been reading the word of God and the word of God has kind of challenged them to make a commitment. So in writing, so they put together in writing, as we saw in, chapter, in, in the sermon last week, they put in writing to make a commitment to the Lord. They promised to the Lord as a community to do a few things. That first of all, that they, are to, they were to observe and keep the Sabbath holy. That was their commitment to the Lord, to observe and keep the Sabbath day holy. And then, to honour God in their marriages by having no mixed marriages. That means they don't intermarry with the other pagan races, okay? And also allowing no mixed multitudes among them. That means they are to keep their community pure and marry among themselves. So that was the second promise they made. And the third promise that they made was that they will give support. They will give to support the work of the Jehovah God in the temple. They will contribute and give towards the work of the Lord. That was the three chapters, I mean three things that they wrote in commitment to the Lord. Then after that, in, after the pact that they made with the Lord, in chapter 11, 
and they decided, chapter 11 tells us where they decided to stay. And it's summarized in this verse, in verse 1 and 2. It says, Now the leaders of the people live in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lot to bring, bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remain in other towns, to live in other towns. And the people bless all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. So it seems that from these two verses, it seems that only the leaders and probably the Levites who were to attend to the work of the temple live in Jerusalem. And the rest of them chose, cast lot and chose to live across Israel to, in the other cities. And of course, Jerusalem remained the center of activities. So like any festival, like the Festival of Booths that we read about, they will come to Jerusalem to celebrate. So whatever major festivals they have, they will, come, they will travel to Jerusalem to celebrate. And we read that all the way to the New Testament as well. And we saw that Jesus even himself went to Jerusalem with her parents, didn't he? And most of Jesus' earthly ministry was around Jerusalem. So from the time of King David until today, Jerusalem remained an important city in Israel. Then we move on to chapter 12. This allotment of, I mean, the division of where they stay continued to chapter 12 as well. Then in chapter 12, recorded for us a very important event. That is the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. So we read in verse 27, it was recorded for us, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all the places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness and with thanksgiving and with singing with cymbals, harps, and lyres. After so much hard work that they put in, can you imagine how excited and, and how grand the celebration must have been? And, we were, and a time to thank the Lord with gladness and thanksgiving. And we all know that the Jewish, the Jews, have a way of celebration where they have involving a lot of music, singing, and dancing. And I, I believe this culture carries on even until today. Then the rest of the chapter 12, Nehemiah tells us, that the singers and the Levites were put in place and how they were to serve the temple, how they were served in the different aspects of the temple. So it was seems that the work of Nehemiah more or less completed huh? with, with everything in order. And now he can return safely and with peacefully to Persia and report to the Persian king the wonderful things that the Lord has done in and through them. And trusting, of course, that the people of God will, will live out what they have written, what they have promised in the written commitment. Like every good drama series, we hope that all everything ends well. And it seems that 
it all started well will end well. If Nehemiah, if the book of Nehemiah ends in chapter 12, then we can pop champagne and say that people of Israel live happily after and they live happily, faithfully serving the Lord. But it didn't end in chapter 12. We have chapter 13 that we're going to talk about today. And we know that chapter 13, Nehemiah continued to do some reform. And I'm sure that this, our dear Nehemiah went for a, a year's holiday. And what did he do when he come back? He saw that, hey, why? What happened? And first of the, first of the things that he saw was broken promises. And he saw something that was not in place. And we, we will quickly look at the some things today. So what are they? First of all, number one, they violated the house of God. We read just now, and um, our dear Jeffrey read to us, that the priest himself, the priest himself, the Eliashab, the high priest, had prepared a special guest room in the temple courts for his relative Tobiah, an Ammonite. And we remember Tobiah. We all remember Tobiah. He was one of the gang of three, yeah, who, who was like the arch enemy of Nehemiah, who, who came together with two others, Sambalad and Gersha, and they, want, and they opposed to the building, the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. You remember? You remember this man from, I think, chapter 2, chapter 3 or 2. So, that he was one of the three. And he was one of those who conspired to want to harm Nehemiah and conspired to do harm to the people of Israel, not consenting to the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And Tobiah was a foreigner, as you read in verse 3. That you read in verse 3 that after that, what did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah went back to the law, and they decided that they would have no foreign descent in the, in the country. And that is what Nehemiah did later. And then in verse, the, in verse 3, it says, As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. And this, and this particular large room that the priest gave to Tobiah was not an ordinary room. It was a very special room. It was a large room. I do not know how big, maybe half of the size of this sanctuary. And this room was a place where they store, what do they store? It was a place where they store the contribution. And it tells us in verse 4 and 5, he said, Now, Elishab, the high priest, who was appointed over the chambers. So this, this priest was in charge of all the rooms in the house of God, eh? in, the, in the temple. And then he prepared to buy a, a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes 
of grain, wine, oil, which was given by commandment to the Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and contribution for the priests. So, if you were Nehemiah, you come back and you saw this happen, and you must be furious. How can, right? How can the priest do such a thing? It seems that the priest was abusing his authority, so to speak. But how can he use that special room that is it's like a storehouse that store all the tithes and offering in kinds that was supposed to be distributed to the Levites? How can the priest did such a thing? Nehemiah was certainly upset. Then, the second thing that Nehemiah found out was this. It tells us that the support and the portion to the Levites was stopped. It says, I also found out that the portions of the Levite has not been given to them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work have fled each to his house. The Levites and those who served the temple depended on this contribution for their own livelihood. It was a tithes and offering and contribution in kinds. So the grain, the wine, whatever that the people brought in was distributed. And so the Levites need not worry about their next meal. But all these things were stopped. So what the Levites have to do? Go back to their own regular job. They went back to the job, whatever that may be. And that was the second broken promise that they made, that the people in Jerusalem made. Then the third one that they made was that they profaned the Sabbath. And recorded for us in verse six, 15, it says, in these days, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses in, on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on that day that when they sold food, so not only they themselves were working on Sabbath, they also made the donkeys work on Sabbath day. And they allowed their neighboring merchants from Tyre to bring in merchandise, to bring in their ware, the wares to, to sell in Jerusalem. And of course, they have profaned the Sabbath. They, Sabbath to them was a day of rest and a day to be kept holy for the Lord. And of course, in the New Testament, that was read to us, after some times, they become very rigid about Sabbath. Huh? So Jesus had to come and correct them as well. So there needs to be a balance in that sense. Then the fourth thing that they've that they broken, the fourth promise that they've broken was mixed marriages. The fourth promise that they have broken was intermarry with pagans. They had put down, they had put down in writing that they will not do that, but they did. 
And verse 23 to 24 recorded for us that in those days also I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of the children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each person. Not only did they intermarry with pagans of other cities, their children, their offspring, could not speak Hebrew, probably the language of Judah, the language of Hebrew. We all know that Old Testament was written in Hebrew, yeah? So they could not speak that language. And our dear Nehemiah was very, very angry. And this certainly made him blow his top. If you look at, if you read on, if you read on, you will see how he blew his top. He was quite violent, actually, on this, on this one. The other three, he kind of, okay, okay, make things right. But this one, he really blew his top. We will look at that in a little while. So, so the people broken four promises and commitments that they made. It was like a resolution that you and I make at the beginning of the year usually, or end of the year. This is what I'm going to do next year. Then two, three months later, we break them all. Who does that? I do that sometimes. After three months, I look back and say, oops, the first one that I've decided is not done. So he, they violated the house of God. They stopped portions and support for the Levites. And they profaned the Sabbath. And then they failed in their marriage commitment. This was the four things that they have failed. And they have broken their promises, their commitment to the Lord. Why do you think the people broke these promises that they made? What was it that made them break their commitment? Of course, today we say that commitment is a big, big word. As we think about our personal resolution, what was it that made us break our resolution, did not follow, did not keep our resolution? Well, maybe... Is this? We have the te- up when life gets comfortable, we have the tendency to lose sight of God, and then neglecting His word. So that is one reason, and then allowing our own humanness, our own human reasoning, to take over. We think we are smarter sometimes. We think that we can outsmart God sometimes. We think our, you know, Bible says God's ways is higher than our ways, but sometimes we think our ways are higher than God's ways. Sometimes. How many of you are like that? Sometimes I think I'm like that too, huh? In decision making. Also, we have a tendency of taking God's grace for granted. We think, yeah, it's okay, lah. God understands. God knows our heart. God understands. Just a little bit wayward is okay. We come back and we will repent. <laughs> and we, that is taking the grace of God for granted. I'm telling you, I'm telling myself too. So, can you imagine how frustrated and how angry Nehemiah must have been? But... 
He spared no time. He spared no time in putting things right. He put things right away, and he turned them back to the word. I reckon that without delay, Nehemiah brought back brought them back to the word. What was the word? First of all, the word that was given to them by God, the Torah. He mentioned the Torah to them. He probably read the Torah to them, which we saw in Nehemiah 3, verse 1 to 3, that he read the Torah to them again. What the Bible says about foreign descent, about foreigners, I mean, what the Torah said about foreigners in their midst. Then, secondly, he brought them back to the word given to them to God, given by them to God. The, the promise that they keep, the, the commitment, the covenant of commitment that they put in writing, the sealed document that they wrote. Remember in chapter 10 that we went through last week, that that was what they promised. The very thing that they promised God that they will not do after one year, within a year, all was broken. And we all know that sometimes, as I think about it, sometimes we are like little children. We know when a children, when you tell a child, you cannot do this. Okay, okay, I will not. A few minutes later, or maybe one day later, they are back to square one. I told you this yesterday and you agree. You say, oh, did you? But you forgive them and you love them. That's the grace of God too, isn't it? But then this man of God, he was filled with passion and zeal for the Lord, spared no effort in putting things right. What did he do? First of all, he arrested, he addressed and arrested the issue squarely. He took the problem by the horns. He dealt with it. He did not sweep things under the carpet and say, okay, maybe huh, as time passed on, things were resolved by themselves, by itself. He dealt with the issue at hand the best he knew how right away. Some of us like to procrastinate, and we all know the consequences. Then he did not allow personal or emotional persuasion to influence his decision. He knew that the priest was related to Tobiah, but he says, hello, this is the house of God, not your family house. So he chased, them, chased Tobiah and her family out right away. And then it's like Nehemiah took a big fire extinguisher and, and meet out the fire. And, and sometimes we like to procrastinate. And we all know that, that the more we procrastinate, we will regret. And we, will re and we regret not addressing the issue right away and let things grow roots. So we all have to learn this from Nehemiah, to deal with the issue, to deal with the problem right away. So what did he, Nehemiah do? For the first situation, he threw out Tobiah and his household, including all the furniture that Tobiah brought in. 
So that was, and he gave orders to clean, to cleanse, and restore the chambers, and brought back all the vessels that was stored in the house before, in that chambers before, including the grain offering and frankincense, which he, which was later on brought in and contributed once again. So, and we see this in a few verses in chapter 13, that Nehemiah led, read the part of the law as to why the reason that they should separate themselves from foreign descent because of some history that they had. If you want to read that, it's in the book of Exodus. So you understand why foreigners were not included in Jerusalem. Then the second situation, what did he do? He appointed reliable Levites. He, he appointed reliable Levites to be treasurers. Why? To contribute the grain, the wine, and oil to their fellow Levites. Why? The word reliable is there. Why? Because that priest who gave the chambers to Tobiah was not reliable. He let his personal, personal emotions take over. So this time round, Nehemiah was smart enough to appoint reliable Levites to be treasurers. Then the third thing, what did he do? He did a very smart thing. Before the night set in, he shut the gate of Jerusalem preventing the foreigners to come in, preventing people to enter, merchants to come in to buy and sell in Jerusalem. And he, what? he appointed guards. He appointed his own people to be guards at the gate, that we be sure that no one opened the gate to let others come in, to let these people come in. And of course, this gate is open again, after Sabbath, which is about 24 hours. So that's what he did. So he stationed people there to guard the gates. And I know that in, Jew in Israel today, something very interesting happened on Sabbath. If you go to Israel today, you stay in a hotel, and, you, and, there, is, and there will be some leaves huh, that say Sabbath leaves, you know, Sabbath leaf. And this leaf, was stopped at every floor. Why? Because pressing the lift button is, considering, is considered as work. So you, if you, and there, of course there is a couple of leaves that, that are not Sabbath leaves and which you can press. That is for the guests in the hotel. So if you enter into the Sabbath leaf by mistake, you go, the lift will stop at every floor. If you leave on the 10th floor, you just have to wait every floor, until the 10th floor. So, um, just watch out when you go to Israel today, because this is happening there. Then the fourth one, Nehemiah was most frustrated and most angry over the fourth broken promise. And his anger was certainly something that was very interesting, unprecedented. 
And Jin, Jin Gat said this in his commentary. He says, clearly the frustrated Nehemiah, more, this frustrated Nehemiah more than any other sins. He was so angry with those who committed this sin and, and contented with them and cursed them. And that is, and pronounce God's judgment upon them. The depth of his disappointment and the intensity of his sin in that he struck some of them and pulled their hair and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor, not now, it's nor, take their daughters for your sons or for yourself. So you see, Nehemiah was so angry. And if we read in that in the passage, he mentions Solomon. He knew King Solomon had many pagan wives, and that brought the downfall of Solomon. And that not, not only the brought the downfall of Solomon, that has made God very angry. And God's wrath came upon Israel as a result of all these pagan worship that was coming into the country because of these foreign women. And Nehemiah was probably had first-hand experience of the, of the effect, the after-effect of, of this pagan worship being brought into the country. And he knew how it has affected the people of Israel after that. We all knew that Israel was called to be a nation that is set apart for God. But because of this foreign pagan worship that was coming in, Israel heart, is the, people of, the heart of the people of Israel was not the same again. So as a leader, Nehemiah did his best to lead and encourage people in the ways of God. He did his best to live life that would be found pleasing before God. All of us who are leaders, you and I who are leaders, leading someone, discipling someone, we do our best to encourage those who are, those we are discipling to live lives that are worthy, to live lives that are pleasing to God. It's part of discipleship, isn't it? I know that it is a challenge to live an upright and blameless life all the time when our humanness sometimes gets in the way. Somehow God's way seems to go against the way we are. And sometimes God's ways are so difficult to follow, we think. And then the promptings of the Holy Spirit are easily ignored by us. And we are all given free choice. We are not robots. God gave us a free choice to decide and take responsibility for our action. In major decision-making, I sometimes wish that I'm a robot, that God can just press a button and I just follow His will. But God gave me a free choice. As we conclude the book of Nehemiah, I thought that we, want, we need to be mindful. Being mindful is important. Let's learn to be mindful in three areas. First of all, 
relationship with God, relationship with our God, and then the fear of God. And then remember, be mindful that we are all to be witnesses for God, for the Lord. First, relationship with the Lord. This is important for us as children of God. The call for all of us, each of us, to abide in Him. The Gospel of John, in John 15, 5, it says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the words of Jesus. The abiding process is difficult, but we all know that we can only bear much fruit if we abide in him. If as a branch, we break away from the vine, we lose our nutrients and we no longer can produce fruit. Perhaps we should not ask whether the things that we do is right or wrong, but rather we should ask, is our action and our conduct, how has our action and conduct affecting our relationship with God? In order for us to ask this question, and in order for us to answer this, correct, this answer correctly, we must learn to abide in the Lord. Learning from Nehemiah. Nehemiah abides in the Lord through prayer and through the study of God's Word. Through prayer and through the reading of God's Word and obeying Him. And then I believe that Nehemiah was also mindful of the fear of the Lord. We all know this famous sentence from a number of verses in a poetic book. I choose the one from Proverbs 9. And it was written, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. Proverbs 9 is all about wisdom. This is to say that when we live in awesome and reverent awe, reverent fear of our God, of our mighty God, that is the beginning of wisdom. The Lord will grant us His wisdom to walk, to walk in His ways. The Lord will grant us His wisdom as we learn to guard our hearts and our conduct. Because we know that this God watches us, He knows our deepest thought as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Sometimes we forget, we get wavered. We forget about the fear of the Lord. We forget that the Lord is watching over us. This almighty God who knows us so well. We saw that Nehemiah was, was able to do all the final reforms in chapter 13 because it was the fear of the Lord that so consumed him, that so inspired him and grant him the needed wisdom. And thirdly, we need to remember that you and I are called to be sought and light. Sought and light of the world. Sought and light in this world. We are to be this. In Matthew chapter 5, it says that we are, we are to be the salt of the earth, the one who gives flavor. We are supposed to be the light of the world that shines in darkness. So let us be mindful. Let's be mindful of that.
that you and I are called to set to be set apart for our holy God, just as Israel was called to set apart as a nation, as a witness to the rest of the nation. That why that was why God was so strict with them. That was Nehemiah was filled with passion to this call that Israel should be set apart for God to be a witness to the rest of the nation. A nation that worshiped the one only God. A, a nation who abide by the law of God. I believe this is a prayer of every one of us that we learn to glorify God and honor Him in all that we do. In all that we do. We have learned many, many lessons from the life of Nehemiah through the book of Nehemiah. And I hope that you will not forget the lessons. If you do, and you want to listen to our sermons, you can go to our website, they're all there. Pick a topic, and you can listen to the sermon again. Let me close with this verse written in the book by the wisest man that ever lived, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. He says this, and the conclusion is this. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandment, for it is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandment, for this is the duty of man. It's your duty, it's my duty to fear God and obey his commandment. If we fail that, we know the consequences. Let us pray. As we think about what has been just said, the broken promises, how many times have we made promises and we break them almost right away? Today we make it. Yesterday we make it. Today we break it. Tomorrow we break it. How many times? If you have, then it's time to tell God, God, I'm sorry. Help me. And we need to go back to the Word of God. We need to go back to the Word that's given to us by God. And we need to go back to the Word that is given by us to God. What have God said to us? How can we cleanse and make restoration? And we need to be mindful of our relationship with God, mindful of the fear of God, mindful that we are to be witnesses for the Lord. Help us, O oh God, as we learn to trust and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.